Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I guarantee if I ask, is there anybody here that doesn't know anybody that's gone through a divorce? There's nobody here that could raise their hand. We all are touched by it. But there is an order that God wants. And that order makes the loneliness go. We operate as a team. But then we multiply our effectiveness. As a team, we're balanced, we're focused, we're much more effective than an individual. God always puts opposites together so that we can learn patience, number one, and how to work with somebody else. Getting married is pretty easy. Staying married, well, that can be hard. There are many forces trying to make splitting up easy and remaining in a marriage difficult. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about God's plan for marriage, what his original intent was for it. You'll also hear about Satan's efforts to destroy this very important creation of God. You'll find out some of the ways that the devil tries to worm his way into the relationship and cause disharmony, and what you can do to strengthen your marriage against him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. So for a woman not to cover her head with her own hair was as shameful as having a shaved head, a sign of public disgrace. Doesn't apply to us today. Did apply in that culture. In this culture, evidently some women, as they listen to Paul teach, are thinking, Paul said everything to me is permissible. Okay, go shave my head, take that off, put this on, don't whatever. Some of you are bald, you'd have trouble. You'd have to put a hat on, you'd have to do all kinds of things. Paul says... Wait a minute now. Let's see what's happening here. These women were thinking, well, I can be free. I don't care if it looks like rebellion. I'm free. But what was the verse we started with? Don't do something that may be okay and stumble someone else. Be careful. So Paul is talking about, in the verses we're going to talk about here, a local custom, not a divine principle. So you need to write this down, at least have it in the back of your head. As you're going through the scripture, you need to write this down. Lots of things in the Old Testament do not apply today because they're cultural. Circumcision and so forth was a very important thing in those days. But eventually that changed because it had a great principle back then, but it doesn't apply to us today. Same thing with a certain day to worship, same kind of a thing should always worship on the Sabbath. We have a wonderful people that believe it has to be on the Sabbath or you're basically against God. It's foolishness. Paul said, don't count a holiday. Don't count any day special. Every day is to the Lord. So understand with this principle. Learn to distinguish between cultural practice 
and spiritual principles. Let me give you an idea quickly. When you go to Thailand and you sit, let's say I'm sitting on the stage, get ready to teach. If I cross my leg on the stage and point my toe out to the audience, it's a very offensive to the Thai people. Now here you're going like, hey, just resting his legs. What's the big deal? But over there, if you don't know that, would that affect me next if I got up to teach? Yes, it would, because I've been offensive to them. Well, it doesn't mean anything to me, but I understand it. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do things for the glory of God. So I'll sit like this. So understand, there's lots of that around the world. If you're ever going to floss or whatever overseas, if you've ever been to Asia, how do they do it? They cover the, you know, no, they never do. They always cover their mouth. If you see them, they say, what are you doing? They're flossing. So it's culture. There's a lot of these things that we have to go through. So let's go on. Now, 2,000 years ago, male head coverings, what did Paul just say? Male head coverings dishonored God. Now, it's interesting to me, if you go to the Jewish place, you want to go to the wall, what do you have to do? You have to cover your, your head. Female head coverings honored the husband. Wives were to wear head coverings in worship, and men were not to wear hair coverings in worship. This is the way it was. So how do we apply this? Well, let's go back, and we'll see that Paul tells us there's an order to this. And he starts with the order of God's creation. Look at verse 7. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. In this chapter, we have seen that God has established an order of authority, the principle of male headship in the church. Now, Paul says, Scripture teaches men are to be under authority and submission to God because man was created in the image of God and the glory of God. So, man shouldn't cover his head. When he covers his head, he's basically saying, I'm not under the authority of God. But man was created first. Now, look at the last part of verse 7. But the woman is the glory of man. Verse 8, for man did not come from woman, but woman from man. And neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Now, guys, don't go too far, because I'm going to balance you later on. Just be careful. Remember, a submission is a willing attitude. We're all equal. Let me read to you Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So man was created first in God's order. Genesis also explained that man was not created for woman, but woman for man. That is how God created men and women. Now, thus, unlike the cultural habits Paul is addressing, this order of creation is not based on some kind of tradition. It has nothing to do with hair or hat. This is creation. Before there were any kind of cultural things, this is simply what happened. Now, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. So the woman came from man. Her spirit of submission is man's glory. Now, turn with me to Ephesians 5.21, if you will. Now, as you begin to see this, woman's subordination does not mean she's inferior. We already covered all that. Christ was not inferior ever. So, look at verse 521. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Remember, that submission brings what? One thing, order. 
We want that in our life. It's the foundation of every relationship. So I want you to write this. Understand this principle. Do submit to God and to each other. This comes before the well-known statement for the wife to submit to the husband. For this church to function, for your home to function, for you and I to be in order, I have to submit first to God, as the ladies do. We submit to one another in a church, in a relationship. But again, we also, all of this has to do with submitting to God. Put in proper order. Actually, the word submission is a military term, which means to place in proper order. So husband and wife both say, I place myself under you and you place yourself under me as we place ourselves under God. So that verse is mutual. As both spouses submit to God and each to each other, then we make God look good because our marriages are in order and we flourish. We're not worrying about, well, you're better than me and you have to, woman, submit to me. None of that kind of stuff happens, ever. It's useless. It has nothing to do with God. Now, I want you to think about this. Look at verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. So you have wives submit to husbands. Husband is the head of the house. He submits to God. Together we submit to one another, and we're a team. We're flowing together. Now, can you imagine this church functioning with no head? What do you think it'd be like if there was no head? We're all just equal, equal in roles. We're all just equal in roles. What would our church services be like? Be chaos. Couldn't figure a time. Couldn't figure what to say. Who's teaching? No, I'm teaching. You're not teaching. I'm teaching tonight. Dave would do that. He would just kick me right off the stage. He's bigger than I am. We laugh. Any of you ever been through a church split? What happened? There was no order. Now, where does the problem really start? Submission to God. Because he's the boss. But in a local church, is there a head? Yes, there is. I'm the head. I submit to God above everything else. But I also submit to the elders. And we submit to one another. And the pastors that I lead, I submit to them. I'm a leadership team of these guys. We submit one to another. If it comes down to somebody having to make a decision and we can't bring unity, who has to make the decision? I have to make the decision. Knowing that I'm answerable to who? <laughs> God. Think I want to make many of those? No. And through 22 years, very few of those, if ever. By the way, that's the way your marriage is supposed to work. If the husband is always making all the decisions, something's wrong in the marriage. But is there a head? Yes, there is. It's the husband. You say, well, who made the husband the head? God. Next question. Okay, not superior, just has to be a head. Now, notice the husband has to love his wife and lay his life down as Christ laid his life down for the church. That takes care of that, doesn't it? So see, God is so wise the way he ordered all of these things. Now, sometimes there's things in the scripture that I really don't understand. This next verse is one of them that I don't get at all. I'll make a comment or two. For this reason, and because of the angels, the women ought to have a sign of authority on her head. This has been debated for a thousand years. I'll never solve it. What does it really mean? 
I really don't know, but the one I kind of lean to is this. How many of you think there's any angels in this sanctuary? Anybody think there's any angels? Yeah. Now, if you're new, don't get weird. We're okay. Okay? But this is the spiritual world. There's angels here. Anybody think there's demons here? Absolutely. So what is it? That's a spiritual warfare. So why would the angels in a worship service want to see order? When did the angels see disorder? In heaven. Let's go back. Lucifer, the head worship leader, an angel, created by God to submit to God. He rebels against God. You're not going to be the authority over me. I will not submit to you. I will be like you. What does God do? Who is in charge? God's in charge. What does he do? He kicks him out. Who leaves heaven with Satan? One-third of the angels who become demons. So why would these angels want to see unison and order in a church service? Because they know what happens with disorder. Make sense? So they're here like, okay, they're happy when they see order in our marriages, in our church services, in our home. Because they're every day in a warfare against Satan and the demons. That's as best as I can do. Now, God's order of creation means headship and partnership. Look at verse 11. In the Lord, however, the woman is not independent of man, nor is the man independent of woman. Now, ladies, here's where you get your part right. Get ready. You need to circle this because you'll always come back to this. Remember we told you, in the beginning, who did God create first, man or woman? Man. So man's the head of the woman, okay? And how did the woman get here? From man. Now, here's where the playing field equals. You ready? Here we go. I like this verse. Verse 12. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. There's no man here tonight that didn't come from a woman. (laughs) Ladies, come on. Let me hear it. Go for it. So, you came from us, and we came from you. We're all equals. Okay, we got it. You didn't know this is biology 101, did you? Notice, but everything, say it with me, the last part of the verse, but everything comes from God. See, it always goes back to who? God. Now, understand, God created man and woman for what? For each other. Woman came from man by creation. Created from Adam's side, the woman gives birth to the man-child. Thus, God has created the perfect balance to indicate one thing. We cannot exist without each other. And we cannot exist without God. It all goes back. That's the one difficulty we have, the huge difficulty we have, even though we love the homosexuals. We don't like their sin. This is impossible because... Two men, two women, impossible to continue this balance. It doesn't work. So Paul always is after bringing balance to those who want to revert back to the world's way of treating women with inferiority. Little or no rights, not at all. Spiritually, men and women are one in the Lord. Husband and wife are not to live independent from each other. Look at verse 11. Woman is not independent of the man, nor is man independent of the woman. 
We're a team. We flow together. In this church, we're a team. This church could not function with all men. This church cannot function with all women because we all have different gifts. We're all equal. But there is going to be a hierarchy of order just so the place can operate and function in unity and already. So understand, and sometimes we forget in our marriages why God created marriage. And I want to challenge you because it's a good thing for me too. I just talked with one of our missionary couples. and You know, when missionary couples are overseas, it's hard in marriage. It's very difficult. Long way away, kids, lots of stuff. Same thing in your life. Why did God create marriage in the first place? For man not to be alone. If in your marriage you feel lonely, you need to talk to your spouse because something's wrong. We were created to need each other, to want each other. There's no perfect marriages here. But I want you to write this next statement. It's not just about us. Marriage not only solves our loneliness, but marriage multiplies our effectiveness. You see, when the world sees a couple that flow together with God, it's a great sign that God's in charge. The marriage, can I say it like this, is in order. Now, I know some of you have broken marriages and divorce. God restores. He forgives, just like all of us. We have children who have gone through divorce, just like you have. I guarantee if I ask, is there anybody here that doesn't know anybody that's gone through divorce? There's nobody here that could raise their hand. We all are touched by it. But there is an order that God wants. And that order makes the loneliness go. We operate as a team. But then we multiply our effectiveness. As a team, we're balanced, we're focused, we're much more effective than an individual. God always puts opposites together so that we can learn patience, number one, and how to work with somebody else. Also, notice the last part of this, nature and common sense. Paul talked about creation. Now he talks about nature and common sense. Look, verse 13. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Remember, cultural, not today. Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, is a disgrace to him? Now, that was a big problem in the 60s <laughs> because everybody was a hippie. And verse 15, but that if a woman has long hair, it is to her glory, for long hair is given to her as a covering. Now, again, this is what? This is cultural. It's kind of a norm. If you go through the world, pretty much if you go through the world, not everywhere, it's kind of a normal way. Paul says, I don't need to write to you about this. Kind of in the normal way, most men kind of have a shorter hair and women have a longer hair. It's just kind of a natural kind of the way it is. And so in both Jewish and Greek cultures in those days, short hair was common for men. And around the world, normally long hair is worn by women and shorter by men. Don't worry about it. Now, why was some of that spoken to because of Paul? Because in the Roman culture, we had a lot of homosexuality in those days. And we had a lot of women that looked like men and men that began to look like women. Let me read to you from Deuteronomy. A woman must not put on men's clothing. And a man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord our God. Why was that there? Because God wanted a distinction between men and women. That's why I hate two Hawaiian shirts that look exactly <laughs> alike. Okay, I know I get it. All right. Those of you that don't know what I said, you'll have to catch up. 
Now, <laughs> look what Paul says in verse 16. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice nor do the churches of God. Paul just says this. If you don't agree with me, it's okay, but that's kind of the norm everywhere in the churches. That's just the way it is. It's a cultural thing. Respect the culture where you're at. Don't make it a, a scriptural principle. Just respect it, and let's move on. I'm going to give you four take-home keys before you leave. Four keys, so write them down. Number one, God loves order and unity. Satan loves confusion and disunity. God loves order and unity. That's the way we function. That's the way our world is supposed to function. So in my life, if there's confusion and disunity, confusion never comes from God. You'll see that as we talk about gifts in the church. People standing up and there's confusion in the church service. Somebody speaking tongues over there, somebody over here. whatever. God is not the author of confusion. Unity is what he wants. He wants people flowing together. Now, that's a sign in your own life that your phone is on. So there's disunity. Okay? She actually, I had her do that before the service. Okay. How many have done that before? We've all kind of done that, haven't we? All right, let's move on. Number two, to have order, you must have authority and submission. That's the way God made it. Headship and equality are both biblical concepts. You have to have both. Headship, and yet we're all equal. There's just different roles that we function with, all of us. Okay? Number three, submission and equality are both possible at the same time. Some people say, well, that can't work. Well, yes, it works. Absolutely, it works. That's why God gave it, so that we could, in a moment, end the service, pray, pick up our kids who have been taught, they have all these different things. We kind of end closely together, and it was planned that way. So there's submission, and there's authority. So that when we leave, we're doing it in an orderly fashion. We've accomplished the things that God has asked us to do, and we leave the church service. It's a beautiful thing. I was thinking about this submission and authority, and this is what I want to pray over. Here's the last one. I added this actually early this morning. One day, everyone will acknowledge Jesus as their Lord. Everyone. Let me read it to you. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now look at this. To the glory of God, his Father. Jesus had no problem submitting to God so that the glory would go to God. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked a lot about authority. You learned about the way God set up the relationships between men and women, and that it was more about God's reasoning than some supposed superiority of men. You were reminded that because God set things up the way he did, whenever things aren't run God's way, they don't work as well as they could. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. 
Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This completes Pastor Mark's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Next time, he'll begin his message on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul will give instructions on how to properly practice the use of spiritual gifts. You'll hear about how they were misusing the gifts God had given them, which was making God look bad. You'll learn the proper time and place for exercising spiritual gifts. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, People, Problems, and Practical Helps. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.